Hello everyone. Today I'm going to be reading from Catch, which starts on page 187. So if you'll follow along in your book, find page 187, Catch. You can pause this podcast at any time if you lose your place or if you need to take a break. Uh, But today starts with page 187 and goes to page 204. So Catch is from the middle... It's a verb to capture or seize, to discover with surprise, to lead astray by twisting the truth, to pick up as with germs, to see. It's also a noun, a tricky or unsuspected situation, a prize worth having. Mr. Wave pointed at the screen, Chicago crime rings, Al Capone and his buddies, One of the specialties of your father's department, and most of the collection, is right here. As you know, this city has a long, distinguished history of gangsters, thieves, and smugglers, levered frauds, and forgeries. Unexplained disappearances. Your father is just one in a long list of missing people. Fascinating, I must say. Early sat down at the computer next to Mr. Wade and opened her notebook. Mr. What? She began. He rushed on. If anyone asks, you're with me. I'm your teacher and you're doing a project on Chicago crime. Got it? He nodded again. Mr. Wave, there's bad news about Dash. This time he looked directly at her. Careful to keep her voice just above a whisper, she told him right away about the discovery of the diamond, giving him the pincer version. While Early spoke, Mr. Wade bowed his head and placed his hands together over his mouth, as if praying. After she finished, he remained in that position, silence. Finally, he raised his head and asked softly, you sure that diamond story is the best you can do? Early's heart beat fast, and panicky sweat prickled on her neck. Now what? Bad idea lying to Mr. Wave. Of course he'd seen through it. She swallowed a loud galump sound and muttered, well, no, sorry about that. I was just trying to stick to what the police told some to do. That is, keep quiet about where the stone came from. But Early then shared all that she knew. Mr. Wave's eyebrows went up and down, but he said nothing. When she finished, he reached across her, turned on her computer, and typed Antwerp Diamond Heist, 2003, into the search bar. Did the same on his computer and sat back. Let's start here, he said. First thing to do is learn about the crime. The next 10 minutes were quiet while both of them read. Early couldn't help wondering what Dash would think of all this. A mysterious sparkly gemstone from the biggest diamond theft ever and found in their apartment. And she, early, sitting next to Mr. Wave in the limited access room and reading about where that diamond had been. The facts were hard to absorb. On that fateful February night so many years ago, thousands of cut and uncut diamonds, bars of gold, loose gemstones, and pieces of jewelry were stolen from a vault in the Antwerp Diamond Center. A business thought to be one of the most secure in the world This was an ingenious crime, one in which layers of security cameras and alarms were silently disabled. 
a vault with a code that was thought to be unbreakable was entered and exited as if by magic. Of 160 locked storage units, 123 were emptied overnight. The criminals left a trail of dropped stones, watches, and rolling pearls in their haste to carry off a giant load. Many questions remained unanswered, both about how this crime was carried out and whether all involved were caught. Four Italian men eventually went to prison, all members of a professional group of criminals known as the School of Turin. Each had a special capability with nicknames like the King of Keys, the Genius, the Monster, and Speedy. They soon caught the imagination of the press. Those who were arrested haven't revealed their methods in any believable way, but admitted that years went into preparation and planning. The four were only traced because of trash dumped hurriedly in the woods by the side of the road as the thieves sped away the following morning. Someone who walked often around this property found the pile that very day. Eventually, arrests were made based on a DNA collected from a partially eaten salami sandwich and a bit of tape used to wrap one of the vault cameras. Receipts from a grocery store near the criminal's Antwerp rental and faces recorded on neighborhood store surveillance cameras. One easily recognizable diamond, a huge and valuable certified stone from the Diamond Center vault, was found in the Italian home of one of the thieves after he was finally taken into custody. Aside from tiny gems stuck to the garbage and this one stone, however, the thousands of cut and uncut diamonds that were stolen on that extraordinary February day had yet to be found. The estimated value was staggering between 100 and 140 million dollars. After this week, once the news gets out, we'll have to rewrite the account, muttered Mr. Wade. Wade. Now that a stone from the most famous heist ever has turned up in Chicago, the FBI will be all over the city like kids on Halloween candy. Amazing story, huh? Kind of like a made-up mystery, Early agreed, and Dash has somehow been dragged into all this, which is awful. But why? Why would anyone want to hurt a guy like Dash? I doubt they would, but it's possible that he simply made the wrong move at a fateful moment. Maybe he stumbled into it. Maybe in on the wrong beat, stepped in on the wrong beat. Any clues might have been impossible to comprehend from his vantage point. Early stored the words comprehend and vantage point away for later. Scrambled to add something valuable. Mr. Wave had a way of making you want to catch what he thought you could. After he suggested that, check out any possible relationships between books and smuggling. She scrolled down page after page of references, learning an odd assortment of facts. For instance, stolen books, even rare ones, were often hard to trace. Shipments of old volumes had been used to hide paper money, bills tucked between the pages. Older books often had stronger bindings than new ones and therefore lasted longer. Next, she found directions on how to transform an old novel into a box by cutting a hole in the center underneath the cover so no one could tell. The outside edges of the pages were there artfully glued shut so nothing could fall out. Large pieces of jewelry, 
antique coins and gold nuggets had been successfully smuggled in that way. Awesome, Early muttered. And when Mr. Wave leaned over to read, she noticed his shirt collar had holes in it and that he smelled like the liquid soap used in the shelter bathrooms. But the volumes in Dash's box, she continued, were mostly thin. No room for secret compartments, she paused. Hey, even though he looked through each one when he was making his list, maybe he missed something. Could be the diamond was stuffed into the inside crack of a binding, got loose and fell out in our apartment. Then Dash never knew it. it was there and the guys thought he'd taken it. You might be on to something, Mr. Wave muttered. Let's talk later. Hurry because I doubt you're welcome here and don't look so excited. Early, now looking for a stolen or smuggled diamond, scrolled as fast as she could and had just hit a page that she felt was valuable, a page explaining that stolen diamonds were easy to sell or launder, whatever that meant, when a hand bounced her chair backward. Mr. Pincer, she smiled sweetly. He was trying to read the screen over her shoulder. She could tell, but she'd already clicked it closed. How nice to see you here. The claw let go, and she spun around to face him. No unaccompanied children in the reading room, I'm afraid, he said. Afraid? No, well, not that. He cleared his throat. Have to go now. You. Go. Early blinked and smiled again. This is my homeschooling teacher, Mr. Wave. I'm doing a project on international crime rings. Quite a few, I must say. Never knew there were so many ways of getting things past the police. Of course, as Dash always told me, only losers steal instead of earn. But it's history, so it's important to know. Ah, uh, yes, Mr. Wade growled over one shoulder. This is a public space, of course, and I'm the accompanying adult. I'm quite sure this child has a library card. He cleared his throat as if that settled things, and he was too busy to be disturbed. I see, Mr. Pincer said, his tone about as friendly as an ice cube. See, yes, history, and rumpa rumpa. He coughed, struggling to finish his sentence, and ended up with a strangled crumpa. Early couldn't resist saying, bit of donut caught in your throat? I hate that. Can I help? And reached around to pat his back. Mr. Pincher leapt, leapt away, one hand chopping the air, and scuttled back through the same door. Early had found. His coughs trailed into the distance. Be cautious about playing with that one, Mr. Wave leaned over to say. Never humiliate a dangerous animal. It won't forget. Believe me, I know. And so may your father. Oh, Early suddenly felt terrible. Think I've done something bad? Not at all. Refuse to be bullied. Good sign. Keep going. Early did and wondered why it was a sign and where she was headed. Starting the next section of catch. I lied too, Mr. Wave said in the elevator on the way down to the children's library an hour later. Used to doing it, I guess. Embarrassed. Lost my home also a couple of years ago. I think I told you I took my sister and her family in after I'd retired and she got sick. Well, I kept paying her bills, and by the time she died, it was all gone. He shrugged and scowled as though he wanted to be sure Early didn't feel sorry for him. Wow, Early said, I thought you smelled familiar. 
Mr. Wade looked sharply at her. This was the first time she'd seen him look off balance. Like shelter soap, he grinned. Natural born sleuth, your father's girl. Curly smiled back. Suddenly, Mr. Wave didn't seem quite so scary, and he was using fewer big words. It was almost with Mr. Wave, like the big words were his way of building a protective fence, syllables to hide behind. Sitting on a bench outside the door to the children's library, Mr. Wave listened intently while Early told him about her attempts to interview Dash's co-workers yesterday. Both, both the visiting supervisor and Mr. Alslip had been nervous, very. It was as Early said Mr. Alslip's name out loud that she made her discovery. One word hiding within another. I'll slip. I'll slip. I'll slip could be owl, Early said. Mr. Wave nodded. I wouldn't be surprised if that were so. Then he was quiet for a moment. The gang with masks, they took every last book in your apartment? Early hesitated for a moment, then said, except for one kid's book that fell under a broken table. We have it. Langston Hughes, The First Book of Rhythms. Ah, Mr. Wave's face lit up making him look almost happy. The wrinkles in his cheeks deepened further, bunching around a huge smile. My old friend. Dash used to recite the poem to us that starts, if two and two are four. He, he said you taught it to him. If he's trying to figure out something, he sometimes says, what's the rhythm, Langston? Ah, uh, that is wonderful to hear. Mr. Wave's eyebrows had zoomed up his forehead. My fault. I should have tried to find your father after he left my school. I always remembered his brilliance, you know, and wondered what he was up to. But I guess problems of my own intervened. Brilliance. The criminals who had carried out the Antwerp crime had been described as brilliant. And Early pushed away the connection in her mind. She focused on intervened realizing Mr. Way was building a fence again. Problems is the name of that poem, you know, she said. Exactly, Mr. Wade wheezed. And to finish my thoughts about your father, it isn't that easy to stay in touch with a student who is growing up in foster homes. Amazing that he got himself so far. Is going so far, Early corrected with a flash of panic, sure that Mr. Wade hadn't meant to say it in the past tense. The man was such an exact thinker. Why was he talking about Dash as if he wasn't coming back? Early carried on, lauding the worry with words. You and I will figure out who has forced him into hiding. Coercion of some kind. She hoped Mr. Wave noticed her use of the C word, one that sounded as sticky and gluey as what it meant. But Mr. Wave only coughed a long, painful cough and nodded. Early tried chatting with him more but he didn't respond. Want to meet back here tomorrow with Mr. Wave, she asked. Seems like we both have time. Research rhythms, he rasped, stepping into the elevator. At least early thought, that's what he said. Or was it please search rhythms? Mr. Wave's voice was so worn and scratchy, it was sometimes hard to hear. Hey, early called out. That's so weird. That's something my father said to me as the door closed on her words.
the next sec section of catch. Some interviewed for the job at McDonald's while Early and Juby sat on a stack of papers inside the door. Early read a library book aloud to her brother. The smells were intoxicating. Finally, Juby, who'd been warned to stay quiet, piped up. Hey, Early, how about we ask those kids over there for a few fries while we're waiting for some? Can we do that? Looks like they're done. Look, they're throwing stuff away. Early whispered, maybe if some gets a job, she could bring us back some McDonald's food every day. How about that? Yeah, the thought was too much, and Juby bounced to his feet, patting his stomach, sticking out his tongue, and panting like a dog. I'm starved. Starved. Hurry up, some. Early pulled him back down, just as a load of teenagers piled in the door, and Juby called to them. Oh, hungry. Give me fries, he grinned. One wave, then a few minutes later, handed him a paper napkin with a pile of fries on it. Thanks, shouted Juby. We was hungry. Uh-oh, Early said. Someone behind the counter was shaking her head at some and pointing to Juby. Some didn't get the job. Early was afraid she'd be angry, but she wasn't. Just sad. That day after lunch, shelter sandwiches that tasted much less yummy than McDonald's food. Early sat on one of the bunks and started planning. Bash's heart kept a rhythm with her own at, at all times, and his power of drive this, and spark filled her mind. They'd find him, of course, but meanwhile, she was also needed to continue Dash's work on finding them a home, a place to go and grow, as he used to say. Some didn't look strong enough to stay in the shelter forever. Although there were moments when she seemed like her old self, she was losing her hold. Sometimes Early felt kind of queasy about having lied, disobeying her mother about sharing the diamond news. First, one version with Mr. Pincer, and then the truth with Mr. Wave, but both had felt necessary. This was a strategy, and the Pearl family needed strategies. Badly, Early looked over at her mother, who was laying on the bunk with her eyes closed. Hold fast, some, Early said silently. Hold fast to dreams for Dash. There was no sign that some got her message. Juby was busily driving his blue truck back and forth, over his mother's feet, making brrrr sounds, but she didn't seem to notice. Early wondered what was what the best way might be to catch the attention of a grown-up, a busy person with power to help. Someone like the mayor or President Obama, a guy who loved Chicago and must have seen some of the thousands of empty houses dotting the neighborhoods in this city. Both had kids, both had a home here, then she thought of her teacher at the Hughes School, Mrs. Chafe, and the way she dabbed at her nose after Early read aloud her description of how she'd fix up their dream house in Woodlawn. An idea as small as the dot on a question mark appeared in her mind, a dot of dazzling light. Out of habit, she did what Dash had taught her to do. Spin it around, look at it from all sides, try to find the weak spot, if there was one. There didn't seem to be one. The dot was rapidly exploding into a thrilling thought. Early clapped her hands, a loud crack of joy, startling both Juby and some. That's it, she shouted, bouncing to her feet. Simple. I need all the kids. We can do this. We can. And even though she was 11, she jumped up and down, 
her snow boots making a swish-free sound against the linoleum. She could hardly wait for the tutoring room to open that afternoon. She'd start there. We're on the next section of catch. Most tutors at Helping Hand were college students. They probably would have enjoyed just hanging out with the kids, but their main job was to help with homework. Many kids at the shelter didn't want to do more schoolwork as soon as they finished a long day. Most struggled at their grade level, having moved a bunch of times and had grown to hate everything about school. What they really wanted was a place to play ball or run around outside, but that wasn't a choice. Early understood their reluctance. It was hard enough to change schools and neighborhoods, but to leave everything familiar and then be labeled as one of those shelter kids was doubly tough. You stood out and might never fit in, not easily. More fortunate kids were often afraid of head lice and germs, as Miss Happity had explained to her. Hiding the fact of homelessness was clearly best for peaceful, peaceful survival in a classroom but the idea felt nasty. Like losing your home was a dirty secret. No wonder these kids didn't want to think about school once they'd left the building. Everyone looked more cheerful when a special visitor came to the tutoring room, maybe an artist or writer, and the homework was put aside for a day. Once a painter came and helped them make a mural on the tutoring room wall. Early thought this was the key to getting people excited about what she wanted to do. It could be a project. As soon as Mr. John unlocked the door that afternoon, she and Juby burst inside the room. Only two other kids followed and Early had never seen them before. They must be new to the shelter. Oh well, Early thought. They'll be a bigger group on other days. Mr. John introduced them. Isabel and Marcus. Meet Early and Juby. Hey, you guys are both sister-brother combos. The four kids looked at one another. Early thought Isabel might be closer to her age and Marcus and Juby, who were about the same size, were already unloading a box of crayons and setting themselves up at the table for coloring. So, Mr. John rubbed his hands together. Anyone got homework? I know you're not in school yet here, Isabel, and you're doing your own thing right now, Early. How's that going? Great, Early beamed. In fact, I have a fantastic idea, a big idea, a project that kids in all the shelters could work on, a way to get us all back into homes. Mr. John blinked and smiled. Sounds amazing, he said. How would you do it? Early first described going by train to the Harold Washington Library and seeing all the abandoned houses and apartment buildings. I remember them in my old neighborhood, too. They were there, but I never thought about it because my family had a home then. Isabel nodded. Yeah, we had a home too, but we've been in shelters a couple of years now. We dream about having a place of our own again, she said. Oh, my mom, boy, does she want that. Us too, us too, said Early. Mr. John was nodding. So what's your idea, Isabel asked. She crossed her arms and tapped one foot as if Early couldn't possibly have a solution to such a big problem. Well, we'll need some drugstore cameras, a way to get around, and maybe some help with spelling and writing. Oh, and some stamps and envelopes. Early described her idea that tutors at all the shelters around the city would organize short field trips 
in which they'd walk or drive through neighborhoods and the kids could snap pictures of abandoned houses they thought should be rescued. Then once the pictures were printed, the kids would take the photos like they, they like best and describe what that house or apartment would look like in detail if it were theirs to keep, if they could adopt it with their family, fix it up and make it into a home again. Kind of like the game the Pearls used to play when they looked at the house with the cat. You imagine yourself into the home, Early explained. You picture yourself doing stuff in the bedroom, peeking out the front door, deciding what color the walls and curtains should be, making cookies or having a birthday party and running around in the yard. Then they'd clip the building photo into the description, add a picture of the dreamer, and collect a big stack of these dreams from every family shelter in the city of Chicago. They'd end up with hundreds, thousands, copies would be mailed to famous people who might be able to help. Ta-da, Early exclaimed, throwing out her arms. Then powerful folks will know about our hopes. Isabel clapped and Mr. John was rubbing his hands together. It's quite a thought and simple to do with the right permissions. It's hard to say what will happen, but why not try? He promised to bring it up with his supervisor later that day. Early and Isabel spent the rest of their time in the tutoring room, drawing pictures of houses and describing the rooms inside. Don't forget the rugs, soft and squishy on your toes. Isabel was drawing lots of small lines to show a thick rug. And I like to clean, so I'll be washing and polishing. My home won't know itself. It's going to be so fresh. Yeah, and maybe one day I'll even have a solid bed, one with a piece of wood at the top and the bottom. I never had a bed off the floor except over for the bunks here. Early was busily drawing a bed with legs, posts, and a puffy green comforter. And maybe pillows that feel good, Isabel said, and the mattresses that don't have all the plastic covering and bug spray on them. Uh-huh, Early nodded and then thought about what Isabel had said. That's why the bed smells so nasty. Better than getting vitamin vermin, Isabel said, coloring her kitchen table a cheerful orange. Let me reread that. Better than getting vermin, Isabel said, coloring her kitchen table a cheerful orange. All the shelters got to do that. Oh, Early said, how many shelters have you stayed in? Isabel paused and looked at the ceiling, counting on her fingers. Early liked the way she took the time to make her point, whatever it might be. Eight, she said, and nodded her head dramatically. And that is a lot of moving, she added. Yeah, Early said, sure is. Time for a home, she grinned. I like you, Isabel said, her head on one side. You're my kind of girl. I want to be best shelter friends for as long as we're both here. Yeah, Early said again. She hadn't smiled this much in a long time. When the tutoring room closed that day, all four kids continued talking on their way up the stairs. Catch you later, Isabel said, as she and her brother headed up on up there to their room. Later, Early said, jerking her chin toward in a crisp, got lots to do gesture. Velma was seated at one of the long tables, sewing a button on the neck of her winter coat. After watching the kids, she nodded and smiled. Told her, she muttered to herself, that kid's going places, gonna help her mama, she said. Kids, they got less confusions in their brains. 
A woman who was new to the shelter looked over. What'd you say? Who's that? She said. Velma looked over at the woman, noticed she had nice sneakers and a fancy jacket on and shrugged. And that is the end of Catch from pages 187 to 204. Please make sure you choose at least three vocabulary words to define and uh, do a great job with the comprehension questions, writing in complete sentences. Miss you guys. Keep working hard. Hope to see you soon.